1: Remember what you said, you return, that I might live in my Father's house.
2: For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe upon him, whosoever, in whatever condition, that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have eternal life. Listen, Jesus died for the ungodly. He died for the unbelievers. In the book of Romans in chapter five and verse eight, there we are told that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he invites us to make full proof of his
0: love. What a refreshing verse that is. God sent his son to die for everyone. That means you don't have to clean up your act before you come to Jesus. You don't have to give a certain amount or go on a missions trip or serve in some ministry before you come to the cross. Just come as you are, right now. Pastor Mike shares today that Jesus died on that cross for you. He loves you, right now, as you are. He wants so much for you to be a part of His family. So today, open your heart to His love and grace. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of Second Peter chapter 3, as he begins his message, Regeneration.
2: We'll just pick up where we left off last time. The text that we're going to be treating is found in verses 15 and 16, and this message, the title is Regeneration. Regeneration, that work of God in the lives of His people. So let's go ahead and read that text, and then we'll open up in a word of prayer. So 2 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16. And consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. You know, we pray, Lord Jesus, come quickly. You know, help us, bail us out of our present situation. But God is long-suffering, right? You know, sometimes we, we don't like the idea that God is long-suffering. We would rather go home to be with uh, Him and avoid all of the life's problems and difficulties that we're presently experiencing. And so that's the reason why Peter uh, uses these words here. Consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is for salvation. That is the salvation of those who haven't come to Christ as of yet as also our beloved brother Paul, and he's referring to Paul the Apostle here, basically what he's saying here, Paul has told us in his New Testament writings the very same thing that I've been telling you in my epistles, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, as written to you, as also in all of his epistles, speaking in them of these things, the same things, in which are some things hard to understand, yes, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. Father, we pray now that you'd bless our time together. God, I pray that it would serve and help us, Father, to just give ourselves over to that work of regeneration in our lives, that process by which your Holy Spirit transforms us from the inside out. God, we thank you for providing this opportunity. Bless now. God, we, as always, would ask that my words would be your words, for we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. So once again, we're talking about the subject of, and this is our title, regeneration. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. As a reminder, remember, Peter, in this section of his epistle, has been stressing the facts of a future judgment upon all those individuals have rejected Christ. In fact, in chapter 3, in three different places, he refers to that judgment notice in verse 7, then again in verse 10, and then lastly in verse 12. But you see, there were those who refuted this truth on the basis of God's delay, the idea that God isn't going to judge, God isn't going to intervene in the affairs of man. Remember, in one of our previous studies, Peter already addressed this subject, pointing these false teachers to the flood that took place in Noah's day, when God intervened in the affairs of man. But they suggested that all things continue as they were from the very beginning. Well, that wasn't uh, true. God did intervene in the affairs of man. Notice there in verse 6, Peter says, By which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. Now, Peter further addresses this question You know, all things continue as they have from the very beginning. God doesn't intervene in the affairs of man. And then we're wrestling with the issue of God, come quickly, get us out of here. Well, Peter further addresses this question by providing the fundamental reason for any delay, which was also part of one of our previous studies. Notice there in verse 9, this is the heart of God. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, that is, his coming back. As some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So, what are we told here? Well, God is giving the unsaved every possible opportunity to repent and be saved before it's too late. Now, this leads us to this topic, and that is the subject of regeneration. And regeneration is the only appointed a means by which god has given where men and women lost men and women might be saved and that is through regeneration or the new birth being born again of the holy spirit which is the result of receiving christ as a personal lord and savior now let me give you a working a basic working definition of what regeneration is and what it looks like regeneration is an act of god's free grace whereby one who believes in the atoning work of Jesus Christ is supernaturally quickened, or made alive, and made the recipient of a new nature. We're made alive to the things of the Spirit of God. Remember in John's Gospel in chapter 3, and verse 5, where Jesus, rather, is speaking to a Pharisee whose name was Nicodemus, and they're talking about eternal life and how to acquire eternal life. Well, Jesus, in this conversation, and it's recorded for us in John 3, 5, he says, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, so he uses these analogies, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what did Jesus mean by that when he used those words, water and Spirit? Well, listen, i got to say that there are different interpretations. Like, for example, some say that the water refers to the water that's contained within the embryonic sac of a woman with child there in her womb. Others have suggested that the water is a reference to water baptism, and yes, there is some merit to those interpretations. But I rather believe that water, the reference to water, is a reference to God's Word, and its cleansing effect has upon a hearer. Remember, Jesus Himself said, "...you are clean by the words which I have spoken unto you." And then the reference to the Spirit, I believe, is a reference to the Holy Spirit, working through that word to reveal to us God's way of salvation, who of course is Jesus. So, if anyone will read the Scriptures with a desire to understand its message, the Spirit of God, will make that message clear. If one receives the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, by sincerely believing upon Him, the Holy Spirit will give him new life and new life immediately. You know, Paul beautifully illustrates this when he was writing to the church at Ephesus in his epistle, in chapter 2, where he portrays the past present and future experience of a believer who has been regenerated by the holy spirit now this is a lengthy text that we're going to read in just a moment so grab your bibles if you don't already have them and turn with me if you would to that book of ephesians in chapter 2 and let me break this down for you first of all paul portrays the past of a believer that is prior to our conversion experience this was our state so chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians, verses 1 through 3. And you, he has made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sin. In other words, you didn't have any inclinations about spiritual things. You didn't have an aptitude for spiritual uh, things. You were dead, spiritually speaking. In which you once walked, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. This is just another way to refer to the devil. In other words, he was banging the drum that people, you and I, were marching to, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, we were helpless to do anything about that, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others, just as everybody else. So that was our future state prior to our conversion experience. But then Paul goes on here in Ephesians chapter 2, and he defines for us our present condition, verses 4 through 6. Let's go on and read. But God, and I love that word, but God, which indicates that God stepped in, but God, if it wasn't for God stepping in, we would have continued in that condition, lost, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive or quickened us together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that's our prison position now in Christ because of our conversion to him receiving him as our Lord and Savior. But then Paul goes on here in his narrative, and he speaks of our future uh, condition, and it's recorded for us there in verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So it's going to take an entire eternity to experience that kindness, the blessings of God, showering his blessings upon us, the love of God listen it is great to be a christian now but gang just wait now this is all about god's free grace notice let's go back to ephesians chapter 2 and verse 8 paul put it this way he says by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god so it's all about god's grace god's favor And so let it be understood that man cannot save himself. The new birth is a miracle, and only God can perform a miracle. And that's exactly the business that he is in. As wonderful and as creative as man's ingenuity is, we cannot save ourselves. And yes, we've made great advancements in science, technology, communications, and entertainment. But the truth is, only God can give us righteousness, His righteousness, His Son's righteousness, spiritual vision. He's opened this up to a whole other dimension, the realm of the Spirit, self-restraint, discipline, purity, and holiness. It's all a part of that process of regeneration, God working in us and through us. Listen, people would be a million times better off if they had fewer material things and a more sincere desire to know and to do the will of God. So listen, the need of our day is for fewer counterfeit and synthetic substitutes for satisfaction and more genuine conversions to Christ and to experience His great love. And God wants you to know His love. He doesn't want you to know His judgment. Here's a cross-reference for you. John the beloved apostle, in his epistle, in his first epistle, 1 John chapter 4, and verse 10, he says, In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. In other words, Jesus came dying on the cross and through that one act satisfied the justice of God. He died in our place. He became sin for us who knew no sin. He took the penalty of sin upon himself. So listen, the truth be told, God is not angry with you. God is not angry with me. He wants you to experience his best. So don't spurn his love. You know, there's this story of a rebellious son that I think fits quite perfectly here. It goes like this. A young son of a wealthy Christian man had become extremely wayward and extravagant in his habits. Finally, quarreling with his father because he had refused him all the money he demanded, he left home in anger and followed the paths of a reckless life. He went deeper and deeper into sin until after spending all of his money, he was desperate. He was willing to do anything to get more uh, money. He heard that his father and mother were away from home for a time of extended travel. The boy said to himself, My father owes me a living, and I will have it. So he broke into his parents' home. Knowing where the valuables were kept, he soon had access to them. Thumbing through some of the valuable papers, neatly tucked in a box, he found his father's will. Curious, he read it. And to his utter astonishment, he found his name among the heirs with a large bequest set against it. At first, he could hardly believe what he had saw. He could not believe that after the way he had treated his parents, his father still retained him in the will, giving him the same portion as the older brothers and sisters. He thought to himself, Can it be that my father loves me, in spite of all my bitterness and hatred towards him? Can it be that in spite of all of the shame I have brought upon him, he is still ready to treat me as a son? Well, such thoughts as these were the means of bringing the boy to repentance and reconciliation with his father. He had not dreamed that his father had loved him so much. Listen, maybe you have thought the same way about God. Maybe you believe that God has become angry with you. He's allowed certain things to come into your life, to punish you, but you've been misinterpreting those things. It's just the opposite. You see, God longs to embrace you, assure you of His full and free forgiveness. Now, someone at this point may be thinking, "It's just as easy as that, Pastor Mike. I can be saved this very moment." And the answer to that question is absolutely yes. Remember, one of the most beloved verses in Texas Scripture, found anywhere in the Bible, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe upon him, whosoever, in whatever condition, that whosoever would believe upon him would not perish but have eternal life. Listen, Jesus died for the ungodly. He died for the unbelievers. In the book of Romans in chapter 5 and verse 8, there we are told that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So he invites us, to make full proof of his love. How? By coming to him and coming to him now. Don't delay it. John's Gospel in chapter 6 and verse 37. Here's the great news. Jesus said, Him that comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So you come just the way you are, in any condition, and God will receive you. Now notice, Peter goes on here in our text. Let's go back to our text. And he tells us, that he was not alone in communicating this message of God's love for sinners. Go back to verse 15. He refers to Paul, Paul's ministry, Paul's teaching ministry, his New Testament writings. And he says, Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. Now, let me give you a couple of examples of Paul's writings. I'll give you a couple of cross-references. For example, in the book of Romans, in chapter 5, in verse 1, he addresses some of the same issues and subjects and topics and doctrines that Peter addresses here in his epistles. Romans 5, in verse 1, Paul wrote, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me give you another couple of cross-references. In 2 Corinthians, in chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, there Paul writes, We then, as workers together with him, with God, also plead with you not to receive the grace of God in vain. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. One more verse of scripture. In the book of Romans, in chapter 13, verses 11 and 12, Paul writes there, and do this knowing the time that now is the high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. And how much more true is that today than ever before? The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of life. Now, what is the focus of all of those verses of Scripture, all of these cross-references that I just shared with you? The focus is make a decision and make a decision now. Make that decision for Christ as your Savior. And it involves a complete surrender of that life. So don't delay. Now let's go back to our text. Also notice there in verse 16, Peter further says concerning the record that Paul has given to us in his New Testament writings of these the same divine truths, that in those writings, there are some things that are hard to be understood. No question, no uh, doubt. In fact, probably some of the things that have been recorded for us in Paul's writings won't come into a clear view until we actually stand before uh, the Lord and we enter into His presence. Some of the things are hard to understand. We have to see them through God's eyes, through eternal eyes. There are things that Paul defines for us that we've never seen or experienced before. They're hard to understand. So, but notice here, Peter goes on to suggest that there were some who were untaught or unlearned and also unstable who take those things that are difficult to understand and they twist them as they do also the other scriptures, but unto their own destruction. You see, Peter was not alone in his problems having to deal with false teachers who perverted God's truths. Repeatedly, Paul was confronted by ungodly men whose minds were closed and void of God's truths. You see, the word untaught, go back to our text, the word untaught or unlearned, it's all according to what? translation you're reading out of, does not mean they were unscholarly or ignorant, that is, by the world's standards. Rather, they were blind to spiritual truth. Their unregenerate hearts would not permit them to comprehend the message of grace and redemption. And this was not all. Notice Peter goes on to declare, as I've already suggested, they twisted the scriptures. In other words, they distorted and misinterpreted God's truth. Theirs was a humanistic attempt to handle the Word of God, which always results in confusion. In 1 Corinthians, for example, in chapter 1, in verse 18, there we are told, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness.
1: In my Father's house There's a place for me
0: As we study the book of 2 Peter together, we pray it has encouraged you to mature in your faith. Growing in any capacity can be both exciting and difficult, but always necessary. One way to grow is to tune into programs like this. Great job! You've been listening to In My Father's House, and we're so glad you tuned in to hear today's teaching with Pastor Mike. To listen to today's message again, or to hear more from Pastor Mike, just search for In My Father's House on your favorite podcast platform, and be sure to subscribe. You can also find us on media via Facebook and Instagram to keep up to date on our day-to-day happenings. If you're looking for a place in Midtown Manhattan to come together with others and worship Jesus, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday for worship at Harvest Christian Fellowship. You'll be able to reserve your seat and get directions to our easy access point at HarvestNYC.org. We're also streaming each Sunday and Thursday evening service, so everyone has a chance to attend, even if you can't make it in person. If this broadcast has been an encouragement to you, would you consider supporting us? We'd love your prayerful support. And if you feel led, we're also thankful for any financial support. In fact, you can donate securely on our website, HarvestNYC.org. Again, that's HarvestNYC.org. Thanks for your support, and thanks for listening in today. Pastor Mike has much more to share from the book of 2 Peter so be sure to join us again next time right here on in my Father's house
1: Where I love be oh my heart not be troubled.